to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, Dr. Aaron Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, bringing you an off-the-cuff episode today. That is right. This is not one of our physician colleagues, but actually, I am talking with a new Murthy, lawyer extraordinaire, specifically for female physicians, dealing with contract negotiations, and navigating our medical legal world. We'll get into our conversation and she'll talk about how she is helping us be a bridge between administrators and physicians and law. And I just want to showcase her to the world. She's been a huge help in my life and helped many of my clients. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, a new Murthy. Hey, friend. Hey, Erin. How are you? Thank you for inviting me on. It's so great to talk to you here on the podcast. I know that we are online friends and now we're on the podcast talking to each other. I would love for you to tell my audience a little bit more about yourself and how you got here. All right. Well, my journey um, in healthcare started out as the sister of uh, two physicians and then um, being the rebel and uh, instead of going into healthcare, I uh, went into the law. Um, by that time I was married to a physician and um, even though we're no longer married, we definitely had a, um, had a medical marriage for 27 years, which uh, you know, propelled me to go into the area of, um, of health law advising physicians, dentists, and um, other uh, healthcare providers on their employment contracts, partnership agreements, and um, many times ultimately the you know, acquisition or the sale of their uh, practices by health systems. I love it. And how was it that we connected? Was it through the magic of social media? I think so. I think I was uh, trying to Google all different kinds of uh, of names that would relate to my practice because even though I'm not new to the practice of law, I um, I'm actually new to re-entering the practice of law for because for the past decade I was on the employer side um, as an uh, as a healthcare executive uh, administrator in a number of different healthcare systems, um, but about two months ago, two or three months ago, I decided that I wanted to go back to doing what I love best, which is advising uh, physicians. Um, and so while I was preparing for websites and all of that stuff that you need nowadays, um, your name came up and I, I reached out to you and you very kindly reached back out and we had a great conversation. And um, I just love what you're doing. I think that burnout amongst physicians is certainly at an all time high. And I think a lot of that burnout, those issues could maybe be alleviated at the front end if people are entering into an employment situation, a practice situation that um, they understand a little bit better, um, that they um, are more educated in terms of what their rights and responsibilities are under a contract um, that, that might help um, alleviate some stress and burnout down the road. Yeah, I feel like 
since we've gotten to know each other and and kind of both play in our zones of genius, we're like the one-two punch. I help people figure out what it is they really, really want and they don't want. And then you help them get that put into the contract and get a good, firm negotiation for it and, and tell them, like, where's the boundaries? Like, how far can you push? Where should you push? And you give that kind of legal advisement in a way that feels really, really good. Because, you know, sometimes as a physician, law feels icky to me. Yes. Like, talking to an attorney feels like, oh, makes me cringe. And, like, you know, all the bad feelings come up. But you have just been such an amazing attorney partner with me. And I'm just so excited to launch you out into the world and tell my physician peers all about you and all the great things that you are helping us out with. Because you do. You have the experience from the administrator side on like what they're after. And then you also know from the personal side of being married to medicine, being in a family of doctors and working with doctors, what that side lo looks like. So I think you're a great bridge and such a good help. Oh, thank you. I love being called a bridge. I've never been, I've never thought of it that way, but thank you so much. Uh, uh, I, I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, um, being able to understand multiple perspectives um, empowers um, people. And, um, you know, we, you asked me what word I wanted to use for my podcast and I mentioned empowerment. And I think that empowerment really begins for us at a very early age. And by that, I mean, I, I was actually texting with, with my niece who is uh, pre-med. She's the daughter of uh, um, healthcare professionals and, you know, and all of that. And she just said, you know, I don't feel very empowered even at the pre-med stage. I've been raised to believe I can do everything I can, but in college, um, I feel that the pre-med society, the organizations still are really male focused and almost like a boys club. And it made me feel really sad to hear my, you know, she's 20 years old um, to say that. And I think that, you know, giving her resources and tools to empower her to succeed, to reach out, to ask, to know her worth. Um, it's, it's really key. It's not just knowing when you get your employment contract, it's not just understanding a compensation methodology or, you know, clauses in the contract it really starts much earlier. It really does. Because when we start letting go of that empowerment, when we start giving over control, and I think a lot of it starts subconsciously, like your niece, like, before you even know you're like letting go of some of that, it's already slipped away. Yeah. You feel it, but you don't know like the underlying what's really going on. I think that's really important as we help the next generation coming up. One for us to strengthen us where we're at, but then to help them too, to advocate for them and to understand these are some ways you can push back and right. it's okay. Like you're not going for a power grab. You're just standing in your own power. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think, um, you know, encouraging girls and women to raise their hands for leadership positions, um, for organizational positions, be the first at something. I think that's really important. And um, fostering a sense of it's okay to fail because I'm still going to learn something from the experience. We do that with boys in a, in a better way, in a, in a more, I don't know, it's more organic way. We, we seem to do it with boys. We're, we're less so with girls, um, unfortunately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then also to help them push cultural norms. Like mm -hmm. 
I see that more and more to to really allow them to be who they are in that moment. And that also helps foster like who they're going to be in the moment. I think back to my own experience of if I really had help not putting up barriers early in my medical training, but just to mm-hmm. be who I was in it, I sometimes wonder what the downstream effect would be. I don't think I would have had to be like busting down like 12 inch thick walls maybe they would have just been like two inches type of thing so tell a little bit more how you empower physicians now as you work with them in the consulting role oh absolutely um so when i when i started out um practicing healthcare law you know 20 plus years ago it was because i was in that world uh, people sought me out because I um, was, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I was in the community, I was in the medical community. And uh, as you know, physicians are, um, don't have a lot of time. They're loath to just pick up the, you know, a phone and find an attorney or an advisor. They really look to that word of mouth, that trusted person within their group. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that for a number of years. And um, but then I got recruited to go into hospital administration about a decade ago. And um, I wasn't quite really sure what to expect, though I will tell you, my, my brother who's an anesthesiologist said, when I asked him, so who do you hate more than attorneys? He said, hospital administrators. <laughs> and so I said, well, guess what? Guess what I'm doing now? But what that decade taught me really was, um, you know, how, um, physicians are perceived within the healthcare system, the value that they bring, um, how impactful they can be. Are they at the table um, during important um, issues that are being um, discussed about them? And I found increasingly that they were not. And I found increasingly that um, the physicians that I was was hiring and, and acquiring as a, as a hospital administrator, um, that they were doing so sometimes without the benefit of counsel, without the benefit of advisors. And I, and I so wanted to sort of shake them and say, please call an attorney, please talk to your CPA. Um, this may not be the, the best thing for you, or at least educate yourself. And, I, and I'm not saying that there were, you know, uh, offers made that were not done in good faith, but we all know that when an offer is made, whether it's for the sale of your practice, whether it's for a directorship, whatever it's for, there's there's room to be educated so that you can get the best situation possible. It's not always about compensation. You may not nudge that needle at all, but at least you know what you're what you're getting into. Um, so I thought long and hard about it this past year. Um, while actually I was in D.C. working as a lobbyist this past year, and and I kept working with large physician groups about value-based contracting. And I realized too that 90% of the people that are having these conversations about physician compensation are not physicians. And, and it, just, it just didn't sit right with me. You know, I think everybody meant well. I think that value-based contracting can be a really great thing, but we need to have physicians in the room and at the table. So fast forward to about three months ago when I decided that I would relaunch my practice and make it very specialized, make it a national practice where I can bring the experience that I've had for the past 10 years from the employer side, from the government affairs side, understanding regulations, compliance, et cetera, and be able to represent 
and collaborate with my clients. Um, and I, again, I think the value that I bring is very unique. I have not come across another attorney that has had that has gone in-house and back to practicing law and i have to and i have to clarify when i was in-house i wasn't in-house as a lawyer i was in-house directing practice acquisition teams physician recruitment teams and so i really was that person working to bring the physicians in and um, develop their contracts and their um, compensation methodologies and alignment and all of that so I thought, wow, all that information that I have and experience, I want to share it. I want to be able to empower my my clients with sort of the insider's view of what goes on. Yeah, you you went behind enemy lines and come back <laughs> again. That. You said enemy lines, not me. <laughs> but well, you said yeah, it before. Yeah, yeah the, the one person we hate yes. worse than attorneys yes. and ministers. And you know, we have to change that because it's like divorced parents. We're just getting along for the kids, the patients. Yes. And you're right. And and I love that that you coming in, coming in, and and really advocating. Mm -hmm. I really see you as an advocate for us who we have a knowledge gap, but yet it's so important to our life and to our professional work and to our personal life, you know, the legal side of it. What do you really, really love to do when it comes to this work? I love educating young physicians, the, the, the resident or the fellow that's looking for, for a job and, you know, they, they've got two or three offers I love sitting down with them and potentially our partner or spouse and talking to them about, you know, what do they want in life? They've deferred so much to get to the point where they're going to be monetarily rewarded for all their hard work and all the gratification that they delayed, all the parties they've missed. So they're studying, you know, I mean, you know, the sacrifices that physicians make. So that's what I like the best, working with young physicians. The other thing that I like very much is working with female physicians because I think that there is still a social cost to negotiation that female physicians uh, perceive, and it's not untrue. There is a recent Harvard Business uh, Review article um, about that, not particularly female physicians, but females in general about negotiation and i like showing my female physician clients that look it is not a bad thing to try to make your offer whether it's compensation or hours or benefits optimal i want to empower them to do that i want to give them that knowledge so anu Tell me what is happening right now in current events that you feel like is really impacting physicians and that we really need to know about. So Erin, I, I have to tell you, one of the disturbing things that I'm seeing right now um, in current physician employment contracts is uh, what we call um, the sort of the enforceability of a force majeure clause, which is allowing employers to almost unilaterally change, reduce compensation, change and reduce benefits. And um, physicians are, in some instances, are being held hostage to that because they don't have that bargaining 
power um, to push back. They want to hold on to their jobs. They want to hold on to their benefits. And I think that's something that if, if that's happening to you, if it's also um, affecting productivity bonuses that you're owed, I think it's really worthwhile to reach out to legal counsel just to understand your rights. Again, I will caution that um, you may not be able to do anything about it, but it's always, always worth trying. And that's something I think that I, that I want to emphasize um, not just in this in the pandemic situation, but um, I have a client right now who is really struggling to get uh, paid maternity leave, and um, she's basically being asked to repay back um, upwards of thirty thousand dollars because her maternity leave uh, is uh, impacting her productivity. And um, I don't know about you, um, but I think that in this day and age, uh, having some type of paid maternity leave or leave to take care of, um, you know, whatever the situation is, it, it almost seems like it should be uh, basic in, in situations, but we are still fighting that fight in many instances. And we're not talking a small physician practice, we're talking a large academic medical center um, where paid maternity leave is, is not the norm. Yeah, so. and I think that's such a great point because we're in unprecedented times. And I think from what I've heard from other physician colleagues is like organizations are panicking and, and they're doing things. And like you said, who knows if it's lawful or not until right. you get right. a legal right. advisor involved. So yeah, I think now is more of a time, not just to understand your contract, but then also to kind of have the footing under you to push back and be like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa. And and I'm glad that and you the other that thing up. that I wanted to talk about, well, two other things and, and um, um, is the rescission of um, employment offers. We're, we're seeing that. I've had a couple of clients whose uh, em uh, employment offers have been rescinded um, because of uh, uh, worries about volumes not going back up to, you know, um, where they can have another provider come on board. There are options for that. Um, I've negotiated a couple of scenarios where someone is is uh, delaying employment, start of the employment right, um, date, reducing hours, um, maybe a reduction in compensation until they ramp up um, to, you know, um, traditional volumes. So, you know, please don't take having an offer rescinded as, as a final step in your situation. Um, there are there are options that you can look at. Um, another situation that's happening more and more is uh, non-competes. People have lost their jobs, but they're being held to non-competes. Well, again, we have options, um, legal options that can address that as well. So I just want people to sort of take a deep breath during these times. If, you're, if your current employment contract, your future employment contract or offer is being impacted, um, don't, don't just take it as it is. Um, please understand that you have some um, rights um, during these times and, uh, you know, reach out to counsel. Yeah, just a question I have. It just popped up as you're talking. I know that I know several physicians who are who were in contract negotiations for a new contract and then COVID mm -hmm. hit. And it seems like all of those like communication responses have went dead even after that doctor has tried to say like, hey, where are we at in this contract? Where are we at? I even know one who her deadline was May 1st and that's gone. And so what would you say for someone who's in the middle of a contract negotiation, 
is that where they need to contact you to help push a little bit more if their communications aren't getting through? Yes, I do. Because um, if there has been an offer letter that's been signed, even though that's not a legally binding contract, um, there's a good faith intention for both parties to perform certain things under that offer letter. And, um, you know, as, as we know, healthcare is such a small ecosystem that I think that um, employers need to be very cognizant and very uh, wary of not responding to, you know, the biggest asset that they have, uh, physicians. And we all know that there's a shortage of physicians. And just because the volumes are down now does not mean that, uh, you know, we're not going to get back to, to the point where uh, we, we will need to be fully staffed. So um, if you have a letter of intent, if you have emails um, that have outlined what, what the terms of the offer are, but you're not at the executed contract stage, yes, I think legal representation would be um, very helpful. Not to sue. I'm not a, I'm not a litigator. I don't, you know, it, it's very rare that I, that I advocate um, suing somebody, but um, sometimes just a, a, a strongly worded uh, letter um, can go um, a long way. I love that so much. Thank you for the work you're doing. And if there's somebody out there who is like, oh my God, this podcast fell in my lap at the exact time that I needed it, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, they can um, email me at, uh, I think we're going to share the email on the website, but it's a n u e s q at yahoo.com. One of the things that I that I like to follow um, are um, regulatory changes, such as changes in Stark Law that are happening, um, changes in the Medicare fee schedule that happen every year. Um, just to be able to give my my clients a couple of resources to to look at, um, you know, during the course of the year, they may not be looking to renegotiate a contract or um, sign a new contract, but maybe they just need some information. So I hope to have those resources up soon. I love taking a stack of paper and slapping it down on the desk and being like, I know what this is. <laughs> and I love that you're going to have that on your website too. Well, Anu, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. And just thank you so much for the services that you're providing to this world. You don't know how vital it is for us as female doctors to know that we have you as an ally in this. Thank you, Erin. I appreciate it. that you're walking away from the podcast today really empowered because I don't know about you but there's been a lot of times that I've felt very disempowered when a 50-page document is slapped down in front of me that I'm supposed to sign and supposed to know inside and out for the next how many years of my life what the boundaries and restrictions are so I'm just so glad to be finding allies like a new bringing them into my network and then sharing them with you because there is no longer any reason for you to be spinning out in crazy town because you're going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, what do I do? Now you have resources. And I want to encourage you too, if you find yourself doing that, with doing the oh shit cycle, contact me. I am here to help. And that is part of the benefits of having a coach, of having someone who has resources to pull them for you. Remember, it's no longer, how do I figure this out? Instead, the question is, who do I need to be talking to who could be a powerful ally for me? So I hope that was a good kick of encouragement to remind you, hey, superwoman, you don't have to do this alone. 
And also along those same lines of not doing it alone, don't forget about the Patreon group. We're starting to gather a few more. So yeah, come and join us. I'm dropping extra episodes like a new. I have several other conversations that I've had with people who are not physicians. So I don't put those on the main thread or the mainstream of the podcast. Instead, what I'm doing is loading them up and putting them for Patreon users. So if you want more episodes and maybe you want a more different variety, come join me at patreon.com backslash Dr. Me first. And plus, you get to have really fun conversations with other awesome people. All right, my friends. Well, with that, I'm going to wrap this up. But please remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Check, check.